Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Acts 2.41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them, someone tell me, who's the them? Okay, to the apostles, how many were there? How many, were, how many was the them? 120. All right, 120. Back in, uh, so there's 120 gathered in the upper room. They were praying, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And here Peter is now preaching there in the public uh, in Jerusalem. And so added to them was, uh, to this group of 120 was about 3,000 souls. Verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And, in and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continuing... Daily, with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and with singleness of heart. Let's read verse 47 together. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing on this time in his word. Brother Isaac, would you mind lifting your voice and just asking the Lord to bless this time in his word? Amen. Let's be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for praying. So the members of the first church, the first mentioned principle in Scripture is an important principle. It's an important reality. When God mentions something for the first time, you ought to sit up and take, take notice. When God mentioned that he rested for the first time in, in Genesis chapter number 2, we ought to sit up and take notice. Why did he rest? What, what was the purpose of it? And so when we see here in the opening of the book of Acts, when we see the church coming together and how they acted for the first time and what God wanted us to know about the first members of the church, it really is very important. Obviously, what is introduced in the book of Acts is clarified in the epistles. In fact, we could go tonight to uh, Romans chapter number 12. We could go to Ephesians chapter number 4. We could go to 1 Corinthians chapter number uh, 12 as well and verses uh, chapter 13 and chapter 14 and learn much about what it means to be a church member. But here in this first uh, introduction of church membership or the members of the early church, we can learn much from their lives. What did they believe? How did they belong? How did they belong to the church? And what did that look like? What, what was it like for them to be members? Uh, what was their bond? Uh, what bound them together? And how did they behave? We'll learn all that tonight. So let's start with this. What did the early church members believe? Look back at verse number 40, 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Let's say that together. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. I want us to notice, first of all, they received the word. They received the word. Then they that gladly received his word, Peter preaching it, but it was the word of the gospel. And I want us to realize that the early believers, the early members of the church believed first and foremost in salvation by faith through grace. Peter had just finished preaching a message declaring Jesus Christ 
to be the very Son of God, the one that they had crucified. He is Lord in Christ. And in verse number 39, he calls on the audience, that Jewish audience that day, and many others that had gathered together for, uh, for the festivities and so on, many others there from different places, hearing in their own language, He called on them to repent, to turn to Jesus Christ in faith, to also follow him and believers' baptism because of their decision to believe on him. And so they received the word. Now, notice in verse number 37, would you go back there with me? Verse number 37, now when they heard this, the gospel, they were pricked in the heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And that's when he said, I want you to uh, repent. I want you to turn to Jesus Christ. And I want you to follow and identify with him in baptism and so on. So he gave them commands. Here's what you ought to do. You are to, to call on Jesus Christ. You are to believe on his name. He is the promised Messiah. He went to the cross for your sins. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace, say it with me if you know it, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. Well, I might have just gotten, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All right, had a little bit of a brain moment there. And so it tells us it is by grace. It's not something we work for. It is by divine favor that we have this opportunity. The Bible says in Titus 2 and verse number 11, is a grace of God that's appeared to all men and it brings salvation to us. So it's the grace of God, but it is accessed by our faith, by our belief. And so it says here that they received this, they accepted it, they acted on the message that they had heard. They received it for themselves to their own benefit, to their own eternal benefit. They received this. So the early church members believed in salvation by grace through faith. They believed the word. And I want us to realize this. It does not say they believed on Peter. They believed the word. They did not place their faith in a man or in what a man said but they believed the word of the gospel, that word that was able to save their souls. So this church was not exclusive in the sense that it it, it didn't want anyone else in it. It was an exclusive club that was meeting inside of, of Jerusalem. No, it was open to everyone. In fact, would you go on in verse number 39? It says, For the promise, Peter says, is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as... Our Lord God shall call. So it's open to everyone, those that would be drawn by the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says this, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. I'm certainly thankful. In fact, let's turn over there, Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11, and let's catch this. We believe that whosoever will may come. Aren't you thankful for that? The gospel is open to everyone. Titus chapter number 2 and verse number, verse number 11 10 and 11. Titus 2 and verses 10 and 11. Am I in the wrong spot? If it, it would help if I wasn't in Timothy. All right. I'm looking there and it's not there. And I know that verse didn't move in the Bible. Uh, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. I want us to realize just that that one statement there, that God has made his gospel available and his gospel to all men. It's not just something that's for an exclusive group. Just as um, um, Peter is saying to all those that are there, it's for everyone, whoever will call. Whoever will call, it is available to them. And so the early church believed in salvation by grace through faith. Much more could be said about that, and that's fleshed out throughout the, on the rest of the book of Acts. But they believed in believing on the gospel, coming to Jesus Christ by faith. But they also believed in verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were, what? Were baptized. Were baptized. The reason that we are Baptists is not just because we're baptized, it's because we we hold on to some distinctives that set us apart from other mainline religions, that uh, some others that might even believe in salvation by grace through faith, but we believe uh, in a membership that is saved and baptized. What does it mean to be baptized here? They were immersed under water. Now, there were many... There were many reservoirs in Jerusalem. Some say, well, how in the world could 3,000 be, uh, be baptized? There were many different places throughout Jerusalem to be baptized, many on water reservoirs, even the Pool of Siloam. There were many different places. But baptism pictures what has happened to us spiritually. When we are saved, when we place faith in Jesus Christ, we are baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ. 
Aren't you thankful for that? We are baptized. The Bible says about, uh, talks about that, Romans uh, 6 and verse number 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So baptism pictures a spiritual reality. What happened to you the moment you place faith in Christ? Sometimes people will call it spirit baptism or Holy Spirit baptism. When you believed on Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit baptized you into Christ. We go on in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and we have been all made to drink into one Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 1. So baptism, what happened that day to those believers in Jerusalem, those new believers, they said, I want to identify with Jesus Christ. Now, if you remember back to Matthew chapter 28 and 19, the Bible tells us to go and teach all nations, to communicate the gospel. The Bible tells us to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it also tells us to teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So the apostles were doing exactly what Jesus Christ had said. Peter was obeying Jesus Christ exactly. Here I'm preaching the gospel, and I'm also leading you in the practice of being baptized to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. You fast forward to Acts chapter number 8. What a beautiful passage between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. But Philip not only taught him the gospel from the point of Isaiah, he also taught him that he ought to be baptized. They're going on their way. He says, here's a body of water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He says, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you may. He goes, I believe. I believe. And he was baptized. And so it is a picture of an inward reality. Some have said baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision. It's an, an identification of, with Christ. It's not just to be an outward act. It is to be the path of a life. It is to be the path forward in a life. I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, I, I have said this often. I don't believe we fully understand or value the step of baptism in our day because it doesn't cost us. It costs in other countries. It costs when they commit to be baptized, when they publicly are down at a river or out in the public are baptized because it is at that point people realize they have identified as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ. We have it all nice and, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat glamorous. People all gather together. People uh, have a, a little baptism, get together. Yay, yay, we got baptized. But listen, following and identifying with Jesus Christ is not always yay, yay. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And do you know what happened next for these believers in Jerusalem? Do you know why the other churches around and the other believers were having to send offerings later on? Because these people face extreme persecution for following Jesus Christ and identifying with him. We ought to thank God that we don't, we don't have to face that, but we ought not waste this opportunity that we have. We can preach the gospel, we can follow Jesus Christ courageously and boldly without the persecution, without, without the severe physical persecution. Now, we are in a day where we are, we are seeing a lot more of uh, psychological and social persecution where you're just canceled out. You might lose a job. And so the persecution we face may be a little bit different in this day, but the reality is baptism was that step, was I am identifying with Christ, not just in this moment, but I'm identifying with Christ in my life, my life going forward. And we got to underscore that. Baptism isn't just about getting wet and saying I identify with Christ and wearing the t-shirt. It's much, much more than that. It is a life that identifies with Jesus Christ. It's from this day forward, I am following Jesus Christ. This is what my life is to be. It's a, an identification that is lifelong. I'm identifying with him in his death, his burial, and in his resurrection, and I'm raised to walk in newness of life. So the biblical New Testament church is composed of saved and baptized individuals. We see that right from the start. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized, and then they were added into the church. We believe that as a Baptist church. We believe in a saved and baptized membership. By the way, uh, why is it so important for a membership to be saved and baptized? If we believe in a congregational, that the, the congregation is a part congregational rule or where the, the congregation votes and calls a pastor or votes for a missionary to be taken on, 
Is it important that the congregation have one mind? Yes? All right? About our stand on the word of God, stand on doctrine, is it important for the congregation to have one mind? Is that possible if the congregation is made up of unsaved individuals? No, because they don't have the Holy Spirit of God. It's why when someone is joining the church, we want to know that they're saved. We want to hear their testimony. We want to know that they, they know in their heart that they're, they have had a moment with Jesus Christ and they've, they've gladly received the word and they've identified with Jesus Christ publicly. They're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And may we continue to be that. May we continue to be a church that's not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Don't go to work tomorrow and be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Take your baptism out with you. Right? Everywhere we go, identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. So the early New Testament church, they were composed of saved and baptized individuals. Notice their belonging in verse number 41, the end of it. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Added means to be joined to. It's the idea they were added to Christ's church. They, they were added to the existing number, that 120 that was meeting in the upper room, Jesus said, I want you as my followers to go back there, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They did. There was others that gathered there in the upper room. And, they, and it says here, they were added. These that had gladly received the word were added unto them. It was something that the Lord did. And we'll see that a little bit later on more clearly. But the Lord is the one that does the adding. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And I'm thankful for that. It was the Lord that added on that day, and the Bible clarifies that in 1 Corinthians. It's the Lord that adds. Don't just look at yourself as being a part of Grace Baptist Church because, well, I, I was out there shopping. No, the Lord is the one that says, this is the place you ought to be. you ought, you got to believe that you got to know that in your heart. This is the place the Lord wants me. Why? Because it is so important. Just like in a marriage, there needs to be commitment. And inside of church membership, there needs to be a, a commitment. Because when the going gets tough, you need to know the Lord stuck you there. Are you with me? So very important. Acts 2.47, the end of our passage, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. The church, someone give me a definition for church. Okay, the body of Christ. Okay, a body of believers. I'm searching. This is a test. There you go, brother. The called out assembly. Called out assembly from the world to Jesus Christ. It's not just an assembly. But it says here, right in the opening chapters of the book of Acts, it says they were added to the to the church they were added to that on um, the church daily and so this church was a called out assembly from the world to jesus christ what is the church colossians 1 and 18 and he is the head of the of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might be, have the preeminence it is christ's body it's not it's not my body it's christ's body he is the head of it it belongs to him. He calls it his church for the husband. Ephesians 5 and verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is a savior of the body. So the church is his body. It's his called out assembly to himself. Understand this, the church right now is the living, breathing, visible manifestation of Jesus Christ on earth. That's why it's so important that we walk in holiness, that we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Because the world sees Christ through us. They get their mindset, they get their understanding of Christ through you and me. And when we're not walking in accordance with his word, it messes up the image of Christ. And so how important it is that we walk in purity. What is he doing in Ephesians chapter 5? He says he's purifying unto himself his bride. He's purifying the church. He's working in us to change us into his image. So the church must be very, very, very important to God. If the very first thing that God does after they received Christ and were baptized, the very first thing that God does is add them to the church. Now think about that. We hear this over and over, do we not? I can, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Well, God thinks it's pretty important. 
And we need to have an answer to, biblical answer, more than, well, I just don't agree with you. We need to have a biblical answer for why that's not right. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? We need to be able to, to answer that and other Christians who are straying away from the Lord and saying, you know what, I just don't, I don't see the importance of it. There is something vital to the assembly of the church, to our, to our Christian growth. It is a vital part of our, our living. And Jesus, Jesus thought enough of it that he, the very first thing he did was add them to the church. Look back there, verse number, at our passage of Scripture. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added. It is not, I want us to catch this, it is not an active idea. It is a passive idea. It's a passive idea. They were added to the church. It was God that was doing the added, and it says there in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47, it says the Lord added to them daily. It says there in 1 Corinthians that it was God that set them in the church. Friends, the moment that you're saved, I, I thank the Lord for this reality. We believe in, in local churches. We believe most of the times in the New Testament that the Bible speaks of church is referring to a local church. There is a sense we're added into the body of Christ. We're added into the church. One day, the church will meet together in heaven, and we're looking forward to that day. What a day of rejoicing that's going to be. But until then, we have local expressions of the church. And we are a local expression of the church, and God is the one at salvation. He adds us into the church, and that becomes, that becomes a reality in our lives. When we identify with the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism, we say, you know what? This is the church that God wants me to be a part of. I believe that with all my heart. This is the church where God's placed me. I'm going to become a, a living, viable part of this church, of this local expression of the church. And so the Lord added them to the church. It was God that put them there and God that wants them there. And our membership, our membership in a local biblical church is very important. It's essential. It's essential to the work of God in this world. It's essential to what God wants to do in this community. I believe with all my heart. So they were added to the church, to Christ's church, but they were committed to Christ's church. Notice verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. They continued steadfastly. We don't have to do a whole lot of research on that word to realize they were rooted in. They were a part of what was going on. They, they were determined to be a part of that. It was something they persevered at. They, they focused in on that activity. They were committed, and commitment in regards to the, to the local church, to that church in that day, to this church today, commitment is required. We talk a lot about commitment kind of waning in our day. Employers talk about commitment waning in our day. People not showing up to work for the the silliest of reasons. Not being committed. When the going gets tough, not being committed. But friends, we see that in the matter of church life. We must be like they were, committed to it. It says they continued steadfastly. They persevered in that activity. They stayed committed to Christ's church. But notice what they stayed committed to. It says they committed themselves steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine. First of all, and first and foremost, again, just like they had received the word of God, they received salvation based on the truth that was preached to them. They also continued in the truth that was preached to them. They continued in the revealed truth of Scripture. It says there that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine in what they were teaching. They were taking from God and communicating to the people and they were committing themselves to continue in that teaching that they were hearing. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine. For doctrine. It goes on to say, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect or mature, truly furnished unto all good works. And so we realize as they continued in the doctrine in their assemblies, this was essential to their growth. They continued in the doctrine. It does not start out with fellowship. It continues with doctrine. Everything starts with doctrine. Everything starts with doctrine. One of the things that Satan has been doing to churches is getting them to water down doctrine. Getting them to dismiss doctrine. And you see as churches begin to compromise, other things take the priority of doctrine. 
Other things take their priority of preaching. And how important it is for us to steadfastly continue in doctrine, in the apostles' doctrine as it is given to us. But I want us to notice they didn't just do that. They also continued steadfastly in fellowship. In participation is what the word is, the, uh, is uh, speaking to. Participating together. The act of sharing in activities or privileges of an intimate association. Do you know this word is oftentimes used or most often used to, to talk about marriage and the church, especially in those two ways. Now, I want us just to understand, God is saying that he wants us to be together. He wants the church to be together. And that's what the early church modeled for us, is a commitment to one another, a, a sharing, a participation with one another, not just filling a seat. Right? We have gotten, we have gotten in our country, and maybe around the world, I can only speak for us, but we have, we have such a consumeristic mindset of church right? It's, it's just come, take in, and leave. That is not what the early church was doing. They were participating together, and, and so much so that the word here is used that they were really connected. They were shoulder to shoulder together. They knew what was going on in each other's lives. They were together. Philippians 1 and verse 5, Paul uses the same word, to commend the Philippian believers for how they partnered with him in the gospel. He said, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. When they got saved, they got rooted in with the Apostle Paul. Where are you going? They were reading the prayer letters. They were sending offerings. They were participating together. That's the idea. They were in it together. They had skin in the game is the idea. Church attendance, D.L. Moody said, is not a vital uh, it is as vital to dis, uh, disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick man. It's vital. Every week we need this. We need it more often, especially as we see the day approaching. We need to be communicating and fellowshipping and partnering with one another together. And so they, they continued steadfastly. They were committed to this on this matter, but they're also committed to the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread in Scripture could be used for the Lord's Supper, and it could also be used for sharing a meal together. Um, but most of the time it's determined by context. Most believe that this particular reference to it is referring to the Lord's, the Lord's table because it was within the church context. It wasn't in their homes. It was within the church context. Well, we'll observe just here in a, in a moment. It's not just a ritual. It's a remembrance it's a remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Later on in the book of Acts, it says that upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, it was their custom in the early church to break bread on a weekly basis, evidently from that, from that passage of Scripture. However, later we see some abuses come in as, as, as they started to, to mix it with their love feast or their carry-in dinners, their agape feast. They began to kind of get proud about what this, this family brought in a lot, but this family doesn't have anything, and they weren't sharing with one another exactly opposite of what was supposed to be happening. Paul says, I, this isn't a good thing. And so he, he said, you make sure you eat at home, and you're taking care of, uh, and you're also sharing with one another, but the Lord's table is to be done in remembrance of me. And, and 1 Corinthians, as we'll read in a moment, says as oft as you do it. It doesn't put a time stipulation on it. It does say as oft as you do it, make sure you do it in remembrance of me. So the early church was committed to remembering how they got there. They were remembering that it was Christ's sacrifice. They were talking about it often. It was coming to their minds often that Jesus Christ is the reason that we're here. His death, his burial, his resurrection is the reason that we're here. His cross means everything to us. And so they were committed to this. They were also committed to prayers, to verbal declarations of dependence upon God, praying together, praying for one another. Acts 4 and verse 31, and when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Throughout the book of Acts, we see kind of a, a cycle that goes on. We see them pray. We see power given by the Holy Spirit. We see the proclamation of the word, and we see persecution. And then it kind of goes over again. They pray for uh, their persecutors. They pray for Peter to be released, and it all starts over again. There's prayer, there's power, there's preaching, and there is persecution. But the early church was marked by a commitment to prayer. 
not just at the formal times. Friends, let's, let's be like the early church. Let's, at the drop of a hat, be ready to pray with one another. You with me about that? Let's make this a house of prayer. You take the lead in that. You hear about a need. Stop right near the lobby and pray. Get together here before service and pray together. You see someone sitting around here in the earth. You know, it's a, it, I've, I've been around church. I, we come in, we do our thing, we sit down, wait for the service to start. You know, those are valuable moments that some praying could be going on. Let's huddle together. Let's ask God to do something in a service. Let's ask God to do something in someone's heart, to encourage, to help up. Let's use those opportunities. You take the initiative. The early church was marked by this. Do you think every single time they um, came together to pray, the apostles said, all right, let's pray. No, this was their, their commitment. And I encourage you to make it your commitment as well. Pray, pray. They were committed to prayer. This is what they continued steadfastly in. So membership is a commitment, first of all, to Jesus Christ. We all agree with that? First of all, to Jesus Christ. And then to a body of doctrine, which is Christ. He is the revealed word, right? So it's ultimately still commitment to Christ. And then it is a commitment to a body, a local body of believers that's gathering together. And so when we talk about formally joining Grace Baptist Church, we're talking about first, it's commitment to Christ. Are you committed to Christ? Are you committed to the doctrine that, that we believe the word of God to, um, to lay out? And so that's why we encourage people to read through the doctrinal statement. What, what is it that Grace Baptist Church believes? Is this what you believe? Do you agree with this? Are you able to commit to this? But this body of believers, they were not all perfect. None of us are perfect, right? And so the reality is there's going to need to be a commitment to one another. Just like in marriage, there's going to need to be a commitment. Through the ups and the downs, there's going to need to be a commitment. Boy, how important it is for us to commit. Know that God is placing us here. Know, uh, know that and commit in. As they were committed, I want you to notice in verse number 43, let's read the first phrase there together. Verse 43, ready, begin. And fear came upon every soul. Do you realize that as the church was active, as they were added, as they were committed to the, the activity of the local church, to the doctrine of the local church, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, prayer, and so on, do you realize that what happened in town was there was a reverence, and that's what this word means here, a reverence. The town was not scared of them, but there was a holy hush that came to the town as they, they looked on what was happening to this church. It was something that God was doing. Friends, when we when we are being what Jesus Christ wants us to be, a community will sit up and take notice. We need to pray for that. And we can, we can focus, and we've talked about advancing, we've talked about growth, we've talked about all those things, but you know, none of that, none of that happens with us being what we ought to be. Us being the Christians we ought to be, the worshipers we ought to be, the witnesses we ought to be, none of it happens when they were just doing what God wanted them to do, the town, whew, what's going on there? What's going on in that, that guy's life? We used to work together. He's different. Why are these people constantly gathering together and praying together and rejoicing together and breaking bread together? Why? There was a respect that came across everyone, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Remember, wonders and signs in the book of Acts especially were to affirm the message of the gospel, to say, this is real. This is real. And so God gave that, spe on that special uh, affirmation to them. And so when the church is the church, the community will notice. May we be a church that the community doesn't notice for us, but because God is working in us. May we be a church that your neighborhood doesn't notice because you're something, but because Jesus is something and he's doing something in your life right now. May God help us with that. I want us to notice not just their belief and their belonging, but notice their bond in verse number 44, and all that believed. First, notice their belief or their bond with Jesus Christ. Their bond, all those that believed, they trusted in Christ. They believed the message of the gospel. They were first bonded with him. Always remember Beyond your bond with the local church, your bond with Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Remember what brought you here. 
And all they that believed, this was a, not a decision of the past, this was a description of their present right now. All they that believed, in fact, it's in, it's in the present. It's as if to say, they, these were believing believers. They were, they were active in their faith. They, they didn't just say, well, years ago I got saved. I've met so many people that have a years ago story about their faith. You know what I'm talking about? And it's making no present effect. It, it, it's, not, it's not influencing their life at all right now, but they have a story. That's not this. These folks were, were believers. They were active right now, and, and they, were, they were continuing forward. Jesus was a present reality to them. Jesus was their common ground. It says, and all that believed, they were believing right now. This was a reality. Certainly, there's a point in time where we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he saves us for all of eternity. Praise the Lord for that. But there's also the reality that I continue to walk in that. that that's, a, that's a present reality. It, it has an effect through the rest of my life. Praise the Lord. Jesus was their common ground. It was not their background that was their common ground. There were many in that crowd. It was not their preferences that was the common ground. It was not their experience here listed as their common ground, not their ambitions, not the churches they used to be involved in. It was not their friendships. It was not their feelings that is listed here as the common ground. It was Jesus Christ and all they that believed in the gospel, that believed in Jesus Christ and what Peter had preached. And too often today, church centers around common grounds that are not eternal and common grounds that will not last. We can put all sorts of focus in things that we want to do and try to make that our common ground. The common ground must remain Jesus Christ in his gospel. You agree with me? It has to. We will die without it. The, what brings us together to, in this room tonight is, is what Jesus Christ did for us and our response to it. That's what brings us together. And we must remember that. And whatever your past is, whatever your, whatever your experiences are, many times those have to be laid aside and said, I am here because Jesus saved my sinful soul, and you're here because Jesus saved my sinful soul. We're in the same boat and we can get along. Because we have common ground in Jesus Christ. But that common ground with Jesus Christ, and by the way, I, I should just add to this, Matthew 16, verse number 18. The Bible says that's who we build the church upon. Upon this rock I will build my church. What is that? Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ's deity. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that common ground that they stood out, they were all together, all of them together that believed and then notice, let's go on in verse, verse number 44. They were together and had all things common. Do you notice their common ground in their belief in Jesus Christ affected how they related to one another? Their bond with Christ affected their bonds with one another? Notice this. You know, they're made of the same flesh we are. Our stuff is precious. Some of you have inventories of your stuff because it's precious right our stuff our cars our houses the stuff in our houses it's precious stuff they're made of the same in uh, the same stuff but here it says and had all things common some people have come here hey we need to have communal living right we need to just have communal living together christians should do that no that's not the message here the message is that these people so loved one another that they were willing to share their stuff with each other. Where did that all start? Their belief in Jesus Christ. All of them together that believed, they had all things in common. What flowed out of their relationship with Jesus Christ, their bond with Jesus Christ, was their bond with one another. Remember, different backgrounds, different experiences, yet they're bonded together because of Jesus Christ. And so they had all things in common. They shared as needs became Known, one author said, so mightily was the love of God shed abroad in their hearts that they did not look upon their material possessions as their own. They so loved him, they're like, certainly. Why would I withhold? And may that mark us as well. The Bible says, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And that is exemplified in the early church. Now come Corinthians, we're struggling with that a little bit, right? 
and there were schisms in the body and divisions in the body. Why? And Paul had to say, listen, the greatest thing is not what gift you have, not, not who you are, not what you can do inside the church. The greatest thing is your charity. The greatest thing. And we see that in the early church. 52 times, in 52 various ways, we are told to love one another, whether that's through bearing one another's burdens, praying for one another, greeting one another, or just simply loving one another. We are told to love one another. So their bond with Christ affected their bond with one another. If we have problems here, there's likely a problem here. You with me about that? Something's not quite right here. If we can't get along here, something's not right. We've got to take care of that. And so notice their behavior as they continued forward. Verse 46, they continue in daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They'd eat their meat with gladness and with singleness of heart. And I just notice that they gathered with gladness. It wasn't a gloomy uh, gathering together. It was a glad gathering together. There was, there was a daily gathering together. Verse 46, there, they continued. They were devoted to this. They wanted to be together frequently, not just, oh, well, I guess got to go to church again. Nope, that's not the idea. The early church was seeking opportunities to be together. They were there in the temple. They were coming to their meeting place. Now, if you remember back to pictures I've shown you, and I don't have one tonight, of the temple, it was a large courtyard where they could gather together, and so I have a, have a mind that there's a group of believers that were gathering together on the, in the courtyard of the, of the temple, praying and out in public, just singing together and rejoicing together, praying with one another. And so they were gathering in their local, their local spot. Just like we gather here. This is the building that the Lord has given us. This building is not the church, but we gather here. The church gathers here. Grace Baptist Church gathers here, and we're grateful for that. So they gathered together at their meeting place. They also went house to house. So throughout the week, they were in each other's houses. It's not saying there was house church. It's just saying they, you, couldn't, you couldn't separate these people. They wanted to be together. They weren't just isolated individuals, isolated Christians doing their thing. We, we bump shoulders at church, and then we go home and do our own thing. I also realize the culture there in Jerusalem, a much more compact culture, we are so spread out, are we not? If we were to put us all on a map, we're so spread out. And that's one of the reasons it's important to be planning churches in outlying areas. So there can be more local churches in those, in those outlying areas where believers can be closer together, more tight-knit community. We are very spread out, and that is one of the disadvantages of our, of our country and, and really one of the things that wars against the church and community of the church. Uh, something that, that even down in, down in the, uh, the country of Grenada, a lot different. Even the pastors, their fellowship together, a lot tighter just because it's a tight-knit community. Remember, remember going along uh, down there and, and uh, the driver, Pastor, Pastor Joe, is saying hi to just about everyone? Right? You know the whole island, right? No, because they're all to, they're, there's a togetherness to the community. We don't have as much of that. We can seriously, everyone in this room, we could go a whole week without bumping into each other. It would be a surprise to bump into each other in the store, would it not? So it means that we have to be all the more proactive in connecting with one another. Right? Like if we're going to care for one another and participate, like that word participate, can we, honestly, can we honestly apply that to the way that we interact, that fellowship? Can we apply that closeness of participation to, to the way we fellowship? May the Lord help us with that. I'm not trying to put something more on us, but I'm just saying this is something that we wrestle, wrestle against. And so it's one of the reasons why we should open up our homes and why we should look for opportunities to be together. And, and when there is fellowship time, even like this, this Thursday night, guys, let's just be honest. Whether you bring wild game or not, whether you put hot dogs in your chili, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we're together, right? It matters that we're, we take opportunity to be together. And it is much more than just organized things that the church does. But together, together, looking for those opportunities to be together and encourage one another. House to house. It's a blessed thing when we can open up our houses and be in, in one another's houses and just fellowship. It's a blessed thing. And they did that. They did it with gladness. It, literally, the word gladness is the idea they were expressing with joy. 
They were laughing. If you were to be able to listen into them, you could just tell it was a happy meeting. Back at, uh, back at Christmas, when we did our Christmas open house, someone walked in and said something to the effect of, what a happy house, what a happy place. And I took note of that because the folks that were gathered there, just happy being together. And it was someone that wasn't around our church. And so it was, it was something that, that stood out to them. And that's exactly what was going on. As the church gets together, as believers get together, some of you were even there in that, that moment. Get together as, as a church. It ought to be a happy thing. And we certainly can be in Jesus Christ. But notice it also says with singleness of heart. It's the idea of simplicity. Now, we live in an age, Martha Stewart has ruined hospitality. Right? Everything has to be flashy on fine china and all that. No, it doesn't. That's not Christian hospitality. Listen, every single one of our homes sometimes get out of order. If you don't believe it, just stop by our house unannounced, right? We told us <laughs> we're doing discipleship with the, with the Stokes, and the other night they said, wow, your house is in order. Well, thank you for coming over. Because about an hour and a half ago, it was not, right? And so thank you for coming over and giving us a reason to get it all together. We're people just like everyone else, and our houses aren't always in order, right? And you know what? Hosp Christian hospitality is okay with that. Now, when we have people over, we want to try to clean it up. We want to make sure that things are in order and, and things are in place. But the reality is we should not, not, I know this isn't, help me, be patient with me as I'm trying to communicate this thought, but we should make sure that we don't, we don't neglect Christian hospitality because we don't have everything in order or our house isn't as nice as the next person. Listen, every one of us have different, different houses. Big deal. Big, small, big deal. Let's get together. Let's get together. As we have opportunity later on this fall or later on this summer to do uh, neighborhood barbecues, if God puts it on your house to open up your house and have your backyard open and your garage open and your front yard and your, your bathroom open and your house for people to, uh, to use and your kitchen for people to hang, uh, hang around in, let's do it. Let's open up our homes and, and show the world, hey, we get together and it doesn't have to be this complex, big um, put on. It is simply just getting together. Some burgers are on the grill. We're going to have a good time. We're going to enjoy one another's fellowship. Whether it's hot dogs or a peanut butter sandwich, it doesn't really matter. They did it with simplicity. They did it with simplicity. Well, I don't have a lot of money to get together. Then do it with simplicity. Hot dogs over at Aldi aren't very expensive. Can of chili, put that in the crock pot. Not very expensive. It's a fellowship that matters. They did it with simplicity. A state of being singular, unified, they were not complex. They didn't try to complicate it, make it all uh, such a big deal. They did it with simplicity. So you get the idea that their gathering with gladness was not a duty they had to be dragged into. It was something they delighted in doing. They wanted to do. But notice verse number 47, lastly, they worshiped and witnessed. It says they praised God or praising God and having favor with all, all the people. They, they worshiped. They extolled God. They lifted him up but didn't stay there. Their interactions with the people, it witnessed of God's greatness. It affected the people so much so that they had favor. or They, they, were, they were respected by the community. Now, the Bible does tell us, yea, and all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. We that is a reality. But here it tells us, just like when Jesus was growing up as a teenager, here it tells us that as they praise God and as they conducted themselves with honesty and integrity in the church and, and out in the community, they gained favor. They gained honor in the community. They had a good reputation is the idea. Isn't that important? Isn't that important that, that we as followers of Jesus Christ would have a good reputation everywhere we go? Notice as this was continuing on as they're praising God and they're worshiping and as they're witnessing, the Lord added to them daily, such as should be saved. And let's just underscore this again. When we do what we ought to do, when we follow what God has told us to do, 
it'll make a difference in our community, and people will come to the Lord Jesus Christ. How we long for that. The first members of the church were not focused on consuming benefits. What can I get out of the church? They were focused on committing to Christ, committing to his body, serving the body. When they were getting together, there's serving going on, there's listening going on, there's caring going on. They were focused on being committed to the body of Jesus Christ, not just trying to get out of the body of Jesus Christ. May that be our same heart. Well, church isn't perfect. No church is. No church is. Why? Because it's made up of people like you and me, and we're not perfect. One man wrote this poem, and I'll end with this. I think that I shall never see a church that's all it ought to be. A church whose members never stray beyond the straight and narrow way. A church that has no empty pews, where all the people pay their dues. A church whose members always sing and flock to church when bells do ring. Such a perfect church, on such perfect churches there may be, but none of them are known to me. But still we will work and pray and plan to make our own the best we can. And friends, let's do that. Let's continue to make our own Grace Baptist Church the very best we can for the glory of God. Welcome people as they walk in the door. Make this a house of prayer. Fellowship together. Communicate with one another. Participate with one another. Continue to love one another. And when wrongs are, are there, make them right. Forgive. Move on. So many things we can do to make this the very best place we, uh, we can with the Lord's help. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us with that. We're going to observe the Lord's table together. Remember what brought us here. Father, thank you for Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you that through the ups and downs that you are always there and that you are still commanding the helm. You are in charge of your church. Your word is still sure. We love you for that. Lord, our eyes look forward to the day that we'll be with you, but until then, we want to be fruitful in this community. And we continue to pray that you will add to this church as we, as we do what you've told us to do, as we are steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, in, the, in fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Lord, help us to remain committed to you and to your church, to this body and this place. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed, let's stand to our feet. I'm going to invite you to do this. I invite you to find a place to pray and do two things. Number one, Lord, I'm committed to your church. I want to be more committed in the days ahead than I have been. I'm committed to your church. I want to be like that early church, not hesitant, but I want to be leaning in to what you're doing here at Grace Baptist Church. Number two, Lord, is there anything hindering my relationship with you? Because I realize my bond and relationship with you will affect my bond and relationship with everyone around me. Lord, search me. I'm giving you opportunity. Lord, examine me. Is there any wicked way in me? We especially want to do this as we approach the table of the Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.